Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live around the world, this is The Ryan Lindsay Show. Phone lines are open to speak with Ryan or any of his guests at 319-527-6702 or email Ryan. The email address is ryan at ryanlindsayshow.com. Now, here's Ryan Lindsay. And once again, broadcasting live from the gorgeous Northwoods of Wisconsin, I am Ryan Lindsay, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Norman Plotkin will be my guest. We'll talk about hypnosis, hypnotherapy, and a lot of other things to get into. He's got a real interesting story that uh, we'll get into. If you'd like to join us, then uh, feel free to give a call, 319-527-6702. If you have a question about uh, about hypnosis, health and wellness, we'll also talk about uh, we'll talk about alternative sources of information like uh, Tarot and its application to leading in uh, intentional life. So a lot of things to talk about with Norman Plotkin. I want to remind you um, a couple of the guests coming up next week. Uh, Monday, I'll have Dr. Uma Naidu on the show. Uh, she has written a book entitled This Is Your Brain on Food. She'll discuss how different foods can help with depression anxiety, ADHD, et cetera, PTSD, et cetera. And so that's coming up on Monday. Should be a very interesting show. Laird Scranton on Wednesday, uh, Primal Wisdom of the Ancients. Happy to get Laird Scranton to do the show. He does a lot of the big-name shows, and uh, it's uh, it's nice that he's decided to do a little one like this. <laughs> and then coming up uh, Friday, the 6th, Connie Habish will talk about awakening from anxiety. So a lot of great guests on the show coming up. Remember, you can uh, see all of them coming up, uh, guests past, present, and future at ryanlindsayshow.com. So uh, take a look at that. Sign up for the newsletter or find me on Facebook, Ryan Lindsay Show, on uh, on Facebook, and you can get all the information there. Uh, let's move to, on to our guest tonight. After a 25-year career as a public policy consultant and lobbyist, Norman Plotkin battled cancer and emerged with a new perspective. He went back to school and became a certified clinical hypnotherapist. He wrote a book on taking charge of your health challenges and began to advocate for people instead of companies. Currently tending to his private hypnotherapy practice and leading virtual group meditation sessions, Norman Plotkin is about to release his second book, Master Mind, Master Life. And very glad to welcome to the show Norman Plotkin. Hello, Norman. How are you? Great. It's great to be here. Thanks, Ryan. My pleasure, absolutely. Now, when we get into hypnosis, I think a lot of people have an idea of what it is, but explain, give us the definition, really, what hypnosis is, and then maybe more importantly, uh, tell me what it's not. Okay, well, hypnosis is a deeply relaxed state with focused concentration. It's as simple as that. And... uh, what it's not is uh, a loss of control. It's not, uh, you know, blabbing your deepest, darkest secrets. It's really, uh, there's a there's an effort in the UK called the Human Givens Project, and they've been doing a lot of studies where they liken it to the dream state in sleep. Your eyes often go into rapid eye movement, and you trigger the subconscious mind that's why often I use imagery and metaphor and uh, clients report that it's, a dream, it's very much dreamlike where they'll drift in and out. They may have some of their own thoughts while they're tuning in and out to me. 
the, the, again, the Human Givens Project, they, they have found that when you're in vitro, you are in almost like a hypnotic state, and you're in rapid eye movement, and you're absorbing all kinds of information. And it's, this, and it's in this dream state that we connect with that. And hypnosis, while it means sleep in Greek, you're not asleep. But it is a dreamlike state. Okay, are we more receptive to ideas that are are given to us while we're while we're under hypnosis, or is it the same as as if we're just having a normal conversation like this? Well, there's two there's two ty- two parts of the mind. There's the conscious mind that's characterized by analysis, reason, logic, decision making, willpower. And that's the part that we think is in control, but it's only about 5%. And the other 95% is the subconscious mind. And this is where your programming resides. So from the time you're born until you're about eight years old, you are in a hypnotic state. You sponge up everything that you hear. You mirror and match the people in your sphere of influence. And this becomes the programming for the rest of your life. Oftentimes, you know, the things that are said that we're kind of unconscious of money doesn't grow on trees. Why can't you be more like your brother? You know, these are the kind of things that sink in and, and can affect us later in life without us even knowing. So the, it's so the, the senses bring in environmental information and the conscious mind juggles that information and weighs it against your programming it thinks it's in control with reason and analysis and logic, but it has, uh, it's not a match for the subconscious mind. And I'll give you an example. You're not born liking mm-hmm. cigarettes, but somewhere along the line, you made it okay. Your programming made it okay, whether it's social pressure, peer pressure, the cool factor, maybe someone you looked up to smoked, uh, and, and your programming made it okay. And, then to give it up, even, you know, the package says that the Surgeon General warns that it's going to kill you, right? But nevertheless, you smoke that cigarette, uh, even though you mm-hmm. know that it's going to likely do you harm. So the, the logical mind creates a rationalization. Well, I'm going to die anyway, and I'll just be old. You know, they, I know people who smoked until they were 100 years old. And so you see the rationalizations that the conscious mind can undertake to make your behavior fit with your programming. That's just an example. You know, that's that's an interesting example. I never thought of it that way. I don't smoke, but uh, I eat too much. <laughs> and so um, several years ago, when after I retired as a police officer, I went through some depression, and I thought exactly that. Well, I've got to die anyway. I might as well just eat and enjoy it until then. And only after kind of emerging from the other side of that depression did I realize, gosh, I'm eating myself to death. Can hypnosis help me with that? Because I have to eat. Oh, absolutely. Eating is very emotional. <laughs> uh, I, I'll give you an example. I, ha- I had a client who uh, she, she ran an organic uh, products company, and she came to me um, with a, an issue with sugar. And so we did a couple mm. of sessions where, you know, some negative reinforcement on sugar, and she did real well for a few months. And I had made some session notes about her circumstances. About three months later, she called me and said, help, I've fallen off the wagon. And I said, okay, come on in. And I was reading through the notes before she got there. And when she got there, I asked her, uh, you know, you said you're, you thought you dealt with your mother's death. Let me ask you, did she bake for you? Did she make you cookies and cupcakes? And sure enough, it wasn't about the sugar. It was about her connection with her mother who had passed away. Oh. And she was, she was coming up on... Uh, the annual celebration of life and she was the one the sibling that put it all together and as it drew near she leaned into the sugar as a connection to her mother so eating is very emotional and that one of the things that I do is some deep dives into uh, early life early childhood uh, family structure and um, interactions with siblings traumas all of the relationship with food I, I have a client who's has an eating disorder, and and I was I just asked a, a ton of questions, and I'm making notes, and she 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 mentioned off off offhand that she used to 
eat to get out of things. And so I don't think she really realized the gravity of what she told me, but I, I really picked that up and began to go in the direction that she may be using food to continue, as she did as a child, to get out of certain things. See, we're unconscious of this behavior. So eating is emotional. Eating is going to be heavily influenced by our early years and our early years experience and even our family structures. We can eat to make ourselves feel better. We can eat to escape. So all of these things uh, have a bearing. So absolutely hypnotherapy can help. Can, uh, now, what is the difference between hypnosis and hypnotherapy? Well, hypnosis is the state, all right? Now, okay. you can okay. experience hypnosis stage at the county fair or in Las Vegas uh, or, you know, any, any number of places where people experience hypnosis. And the stage hypnotist is, um, is showing you the power of hypnosis. They'll make you go to sleep. They'll make you cluck like a chicken. They'll make you bite into an onion and think it's an apple. And it's just to show you, for entertainment sake, entertainment sake, the power of hypnosis. Now, hypnotherapy uses the same hypnotic trance state, but for the purpose of addressing issues that may have arisen with, you know, that folks that they, they want to make change. change. Change is exceedingly difficult. So, you know, and you'll appreciate this as a former police officer, memory is completely unreliable. All right, because when you have an experience, <laughs> right, when you have an experience, it creates an emotion, and that emotion creates a feeling, and, an, and some neurochemistry is created in your body, and it, and, and it gets imprinted in your body. And so if I ask you, why do you do that? And you say, well, 20 years ago this happened. And you, you will not recall the details correctly. What you will recall is how it made you feel. So now I can predict how you're going to act in the future based on an unreliable past. And so you're, you're living a predictable future based on an unreliable past that is robbing you of your precious present moment. So you see the connection there. Uh, it's we can become imprisoned by our experiences, which then rob us of our future because it becomes our programming. It augments our programming. And so hypnotherapy is a, a process by which you use trance. There's a cognitive portion of the session where I ask a lot of questions. And like I said, the family structure, the life experience, relationships, siblings, traumas. And then I begin to connect dots between those experiences and how they might manifest in what we call body syndromes. So oftentimes I get clients who tried everything else before they've seen every other kind of provider they've tried everything else and they come to me out of desperation out of some un, unexplained pain uh, like autoimmune I've had a number of autoimmune clients fibromyalgia and other autoimmune and there's a there's a great book called the body keeps the, the body keeps the score and what happens is we somatize some of our emotional experiences especially trauma and we'll experience it and manifest it in our body. So, for example, and these are just, these are just illustrations, but unexplained leg pain, mm-hmm. leg pain, you can't run away from your problems. Unexplained arm pain, you can't fight your way out of something. Unexplained back pain, you're wearing, carrying the weight of the world. So these are just, you know, just some simplified examples of how we can somatize emotional problems into our body. So, for example, I, my... Um, the the one client I referenced with the fibromyalgia, she'd, she'd been under the care of a physician. All they could do was give her pain pills for eight years. And she got mm-hmm. sick of take, and she had to take more and more. They, they affected her less and less, and she had to take more and more. And she got sick of it one day and stopped the pain pills, and she came to see me, and I did a deep dive into her history. And here was a, here was a person who had served in the military. She was tough. She is an executive in, you know, basically a woman in a man's world and um, very tough exterior. But emotionally, she was a marshmallow <laughs> and no. a very sweet person inside that she only let very few people see. So I asked her what was going on when it started. And it turns out she was going through a terrible divorce with <clears throat> child custody involved. And 
she couldn't handle that emotional pain, so she shoved it into her body. Because tough, she was physically, she was tough. Emotionally, she wasn't. So this unexplained autoimmune disorder became pain in her body that she was carrying this emotional pain. So when I connected those dots for her, uh, we were able to release that emotional pain. And she got her life back. It was amazing. Sure, sure. Talking with Norman Plotkin about uh, hypnosis, hypnotherapy. And uh, if you'd like to join us, 319-527-6702. Visit his website at normanplotkin.com. It's uh, Norman and then P-L-O-T-K-I-N.com. So, Norman, should should hypnosis be used as a first course of action or as a last resort? Well, it's... uh, by operation, it, it tends to be a last resort. I would suggest, and maybe I'm biased, but I, I would suggest mm-hmm. that it's a better place to start. It's organic. Yeah. It's non-invasive. It's non-chemical. And there, there are no side effects. Sure, so, sure. Tell, mm-hmm. Tell your story, how you, uh, how you started, and uh, because you have an interesting story about how you, uh, how you became a hypnotherapist. Well, yeah, I, I went in the military. I was in the Marine Corps before college. I got out and I worked in oil fields and did some things. And then, and then I realized I, met, I should probably have gone to college. And I did, and I was in a hurry. And um, as an undergrad, I, I got a job as a clerk in the legislature, and then, which turned into a 25-year career, you know, working for a handful of years in the legislature. And then, and then as a you know, consultant and analyst, policy consultant, and I lobbied for the medical association as a lobbyist for the doctors. And then I opened my own firm and, um, and you know, I, I loved it. I loved the public policy and the debate and doing the people's business, but it's a very toxic environment. And um, in the end, after the 25 years, I got sick uh, and I, I had papillary carcinoma, which is uh, thyroid cancer. And um, I, I, Initially, I made no changes. I wanted to get back to air quote normal, and uh, but I I had to come to realize that the what I believed was normal was what made me sick. You know, eating e- eating wrong, rich food. You know, drinking too, probably too much socially, and the heavy stress and whatnot. And so, um, as I dealt with the cancer, and there are a whole lot of things that come along with that, not just the cancer. There's places to go, tests, second opinions. It takes its toll on, you know, family members. And as I navigated that, uh, I tried to get back to normal and, and, it, and it came back. And so after the surgery, after radiation, and then it, it came back, I had to have a second round of radiation. And, and that's when it got, it got my attention. And I, I began to um, dive into, uh, you know, books like Wayne Dyer's Power of Intention and Carol Meese's Anatomy of the Spirit and begin to turn inward and start making changes. I learned to meditate and, um, and really reflect on my life's purpose. And so I left, I left that, uh, the lobbying and, and that, uh, that business. And I went for a while, I was searching what to do. And I, w- I was kind of guided to go to this, this college in Los Angeles, nationally accredited college for hypnotherapy, uh, HMI. And, um, and so I, I followed that and I kind of dove in and I, I made the decision that instead of serving corporations and politicians, I was going to put myself into the service of others. And a lot of people think it's a, a strange leap, but, you know, when I was a lobbyist and a consultant, I used what I heard against you or to win and now no. I'm just as analytical and, and I'm just as reflective as a listener, but now I listen in order to help. And it sits better with me. I, I like it a lot more. Uh, I, you know, it was exciting. It was exciting times. It was exciting stuff to, to be in the public square. But this, this is more, it's deeper and more meaningful. And I feel like I've awakened to my, my soul's purpose. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Very good. 
Uh, Norman Plotkin, once again, my guest. Uh, folks, if you'd like to join in, 319-527-6702. How did uh, general health and wellness um, help you with the cancer, Norman? Well, it wasn't until it came back and it got that got my attention. And so... Okay. Um, so die. I mean, so so I wrote the book, "Take Charge of Your Cancer: The Seven uh, Proven Steps to Healing and Recovery," and you know all of these things I found my way to by accident because there's no comprehensive place to, you know, you know where do you turn at 10 o'clock when the doctor's you know you get 15 minutes in the doctor's office and he's not there he or she's not there at 10 p.m. when you know the walls start closing in on you when you really have the questions and so you know. The, the seven areas that, that I found my way to were diet, you know, radically change your diet. We have to be, we have to eat consciously. Food is medicine. Food is energy. And what we put in to this amazing machine that is our body uh, has consequences. Um, meditation, learning to be quiet and still, you know, prayer is when you talk to God. Meditation is when you receive information back. And so it's really important that uh, we begin our day. We have 60 to 70,000 thoughts every day, and 90% of them are the same as they were yesterday. And so it's really important that before we dive back into that milieu of thoughts, that we're just quiet and still. You don't have to strike some crazy pose. You can use a YouTube uh, video to, to listen with some earbuds, or you can just tune in on your breath. But it's important to spend 10 minutes quiet and still. Um, spirituality is another big thing. It doesn't matter what your framework is or who you call God, but there's only one path, to the, and it's through the divine of, of, of some sort. You know, um, Then the, the subconscious mind is super powerful too. Uh, you know, Joseph Murphy's The Power of the Subconscious Mind cannot be overlooked. Uh, it's where our programming is. So when we can learn about our subconscious mind and its role in our lives, uh, it's, it's really important. Then mm-hmm. there's the, another thing is that through life we have these experiences and, and we, have, we gather these emotions. You know, we talked a moment ago about you have an experience and it creates an emotion and a feeling and a, some neurochemistry and it's imprinted in your body. Life is cumulative and you get nicked up along the way. And if you're still holding all of these little emotional hurts, the cumulative effect can create dis-ease. So it's really important that you learn to channel some way to release repressed emotions. And then it's really, it's also important that you take charge. You, you know, too often we surrender ourselves, our thoughts and our health to someone with an alphabet soup behind their name who has, but there's a lot of information at our disposal. And it, I'm not to say don't see healthcare providers, but you got to be the team captain, captain, my captain. No one mm-hmm. has as much skin in the game as, as you do. So you really have to take charge. And finally, a la Victor Frankel, the uh, Viennese uh, psychiatrist who survived the German concentration camps and went on to create a, a framework called logotherapy. And he wrote the book, Mankind's Search for Meaning, have a reason to live, whether it's, a garden patch or a grandchild or a child or, or a book that you need to write or, or any number of a, a thousand different reasons, but have a reason to live. So this, it was this mental journey that I went through that led to my post-cancer health and wellness. Yeah, I got real intentional about living. And, and when, because I, I referred to it as my unwrapped gift. Now, my publisher said, Norm, cancer probably was a gift for you, but how long did it take you to figure that out? I'm like, yeah, it was a couple of years. She said, you got to meet people where they are, and when they're in the middle of it, they're not thinking it's a gift. But mm-hmm. in, if you can hear the message in the cancer and make changes, the other side is a time for gratitude and reflection and to help others and to really count your blessings. I feel like, you know, I dodged a bullet. I heard life's whisper and I made changes, and I'm better for it, and I'm trying to help others be better for it, too. Sure. That's kind of the name of the game is uh, learn what we can and help others after that. Yeah. 
Um, we hear a lot now about uh, with with health concerns. What does the science say? And follow the science. What does science say about hypnosis? Well, that's a great question. It used to be it was discounted uh, widely uh, because uh, the evidence-based community had only anecdotal evidence to go on. In other words, the the client was sure that they had changes, uh, that they had experienced changes, and the provider took credit for the changes, but there was no, there were no studies. There was, there was no empirical evidence. And, um, and so it was looked upon very skeptically for a long time by the evidence-based uh, medical community. But now we have we have a lot of advanced technology. Um, we have a lot of advanced technology that can scan the brain and um, and understand, help us understand what is going on with um, with the brain when it's in hypnosis. And so, there are studies being done. Uh, in the UK, also uh, Dr. David Spiegel at uh, Stanford has a, has a whole section on uh, doing a ton of research, um, and they they are uh, pinpointing exactly what's going on on the frontal cortex and the executive control, and um, uh, so I'll give you a little excerpt here. Um, an explanation comes from a study article titled Brain Activity and Functional Connectivity Associated with Hypnosis. The authors are Heidi Young, Matthew White, Michael Xerlius, Lynn Wild, and David Spiegel. Hypnosis has proven uh, clinical utility yet changes the brain activity underlying the hypnotic state has not been fully identified. Um, what they do say is that it suggests that hypnosis is associated with decreased default mode network activity and that high hypnotizability is associated with greater functional connectivity between the executive control network and the salience network. They use some functional magnetic resonance imaging to investigate activity and functional connectivity among those networks, and they found that, um, that there was... Um, uh, memory retrieval and um, and uh, definite physiological changes uh, through those uh, pathways and networks. It's 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 very complex and uh, mm-hmm. very complicated. But what they have come up with is they've mapped what's going on in the brain, and they suggest that. Uh, there's about 80% of the population that can be hypnotized and are suggestible and 20%. I'll tell you, I don't want to argue with the scientists, but what I found is that anybody who wants to be hypnotized can be. And and what happens is, uh, yeah, I mean, if you cross your arms and and resist, I can't hypnotize you. So, you know what I mean? People come in and say, it's kind of of like going to a psychic and and spending money and, and saying, you know, okay, you tell me without giving them any information, right? <laughs> and, you know, sure. I did, like, so, you know what I mean? So I, I can't get past people's defenses. What I can do is, is trigger the, the pathways that lead to trance. And it's basically a, um, a, you trigger the fight or flight mechanism and, and it's, you escape. The client tries to escape. And they go within and they're deeply relaxed, and, but they have a focused concentration and, and experience a dreamlike uh, a dreamlike state. So uh, the biggest thing with respect to what does the science say is that the the scientific community is now able to fully explain with uh, modern technology exactly what's going on. And um, uh, and so it's put the skeptics to, to rest. For the most part, there's still general skepticism because it's very difficult for – 
you know, very educated people who, whose conception is, is influenced by a person on the stage clucking like a chicken. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so despite the fact that there are hundreds of studies connecting the efficacy of hypnotherapy with irritable bowel syndrome, they're, they're overlooked and underutilized because of that, that preconceived notion. And that's why I wrote my Germain Master Life, where I really try and bring this information forward. There's just enough science in the book to satisfy those who need to understand what's going on with the science. There's the history. You know, every major civilization had healers throughout the time who used trance to help people with every every aspect of healing and recovery and so and then how you can apply it in your life and so I give practical examples of how clients have come to me and been able to put it to use uh, in in their life and I think it's important I think it's important because I, you know man, it was it two or three years ago there was a movie came out called Get, Get Out and the character was visiting his girlfriend mom and dad and she was a psychiatrist and he smoked and she said um you know i can help you with that and he said no i'm all right and so in that moment when he said no i'm all right she couldn't hypnotize him but the movie plays Mm -hmm. on just enough information and takes him to the sunken place and you know the drama unfolds and there were a lot of people freaked out about hypnosis after that movie you know it goes back it goes back time immemorial i mean uh, Orson Welles with um, Black Magic in the Great Kosovo, you know, look into my eyes. So, you know, we, we've been, because, because we, in our modern society, we tend to need elaborate explanations. We, need to, we tend to need to have these elaborate scientific explanations for what's going on in order to believe that it can work. In reality, here's what you need for a hypnotic trance. You need authority. You need a doctrine or a paradigm, and you need to feel something. So let's look at a couple of examples. How about this mm-hmm. one? Lab, co- lab coat and stethoscope, medical books in medical school. Do you feel something when you go to the doctor? Not a good place to have your blood pressure taken, right? The white coat syndrome. Mm-hmm. Or maybe perhaps you got good news about your test results, so you're happy. Either way, you're feeling something. How about this one? A, um, a collar or a robe. Um, and the, uh, one of the books, the Bible, the Quran, the Torah. Uh, and do you feel something when you go to church or temple? Most people do. They sing and they, and they feel uplifted. That's a hypnotic modality. And so uh, I'll give you another one. Here's, here's a more point. Um, or at least timing. How about this one? Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks. Uh, that's the authority. The doctrine of the paradigm is... Uh, virology and epidemiology and do you feel something regarding COVID-19? Well, there's a whole lot of people who are afraid out there. So we are seeing, we're seeing mass hypnosis. And then of course the mainstream media repet repetition, 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 repetition. And oftentimes people come in and I have to take them out of hypnosis (laughs) to get started. Take them out of hypnosis. Oh, yeah. There are people walking around in, in hypnosis. They're highly suggestible. You know, it's a natural state that we go into almost daily. Uh, if you've ever been driving home from work and you end up in the driveway and you don't remember the drive, you, you were, you were yeah. in hypnosis. Radio advertisers know that. That's why drive time is so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> is your new book, has that been released yet? Yeah, just out. It's just it was just published just uh, uh, last month. It's called Mastermind, Master Life, and it's on Amazon and Kindle and paperback. Great, great. Um, now, the difference between meditation and hypnosis. Can, can I uh, under meditation? Can I hypnotize myself? It's a very fine line. Meditative hmm. people who meditate come in and are very very effective. Hypnosis is very effective, and I, I don't have to work real hard to get them into trance. And so meditation can be hypnotic. The, you know, the best, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, okay? So if you want to, and you're very suggestible to yourself. So if, the, if there are some things that you want to do or you want to achieve, 
you know, you can write down some affirmations and then record yourself saying them and begin by suggesting that you take a few deep breaths, you allow your eyes to close, walk down a set of 10 stairs with each step, getting deeper and deeper relaxed. Then you read the affirmations. Then you have yourself visualize yourself doing the things you've just said and engaging the senses. And then you count yourself up, one, two, three, four, five, eyes open wide awake. So you do this, you script it out for yourself, you record it, and then you sit back at the appointed time, you recline, and put your earbuds in and listen to the recording. You're going to be very suggestible mm-hmm. to yourself. Um, I've read that, that creative people are, can be hypnotized quicker than someone who's not especially creative. Is that, is that true? Well, I, I believe so. I mean, I believe it, it's to be true. The, the fastest route is in is engaging the imagination. So I do elaborate uh, relaxation, progressive relaxations. I take people on imagery journeys. You know, I could put them in a canoe and have them paddle out to the middle of the stream, bring the paddle in, uh. smell the pine trees, you know, feel the breeze in your face, look up, see the puffy white clouds moving, drifting across the blue sky, you know, you know what I mean? So, so those with an imagination, those who are creative, those who can really dive into the imagery are going to go very quickly in. Can you, like on these, these nightclub hypnosis shows, they'll, they'll say the, the certain phrase, snap their fingers, and somebody's immediately out. Once you've hypnotized someone in your office, is, is, that, is, that accurate? is that true of what happens the next time they come in? Can you immediately just say the phrase, snap your fingers, and they're out? No. So those are, <laughs> okay. That's those, good. Those are rapid <laughs> inductions. Those are rapid inductions. I do give a, a post-hypnotic suggestion to rehypnosis so that they are okay. easier and they're suggestible to me the next time. But I don't, I don't do rapid inductions. There's a lot of interrupts. You know, you'll go to shake the hand and pull your hand away, and uh, that, that can drop them in, and, you know, and you touch them and say sleep. There, there are tricks to, to use. Sometimes rapid inductions are absolutely necessary in a therapeutic. So, so say, for example, someone is injured and they're, you know, very gravely injured, and they're, they, they begin to freak out. If a rapid induction can t- put them into a very calm state right away. So there are therapeutic uses of rapid induction. Uh, but, and, you know, some will argue, many use the rapid inductions widely, and they'll argue that it's better to spend the time. I, I like to take people in over time. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's more gentle. And mm-hmm. now, so what they're doing is, um, practicing these interrupts, these rapid inductions where they, they focus the mind on one thing and then, you know, quickly interrupt it with some kind of pattern and with a touch. And you'll notice that they'll have 20 people up on stage and 16 or 17 of them will drop and sleep. And three or four of them, they'll say, thank you, you're dismissed, <laughs> right? Because they just, those were the, those were the intellectuals, not the creatives in your, in your scenario. And so, okay. um, but, you know, again, I'm very uncomfortable by the whole stage hypnosis. There's a reason for it is to show the power of it. It's entertainment, but I'm very serious about, and not that they're not serious. It's just, I'm really serious about helping people. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really serious about painting hypnotherapy with its highest, best potential. And so, you know, the stage stuff makes me just a little uncomfortable. I understand it. I know people. I have friends who do that, and that's their thing, and that's, and that's cool. Uh, it's not my mm-hmm. thing, but, you know, I, I want people to understand that it's a demonstration of the power of hypnosis, and, um, and there, are, there are benefits of those rapid inductions, uh, but uh, in a therapeutic setting, it, it's, it's a little more gentle, and it's a little more connected to their life experience. Sure. Sure. What, when somebody comes in to see you and say to stop smoking, I'm, I'm sure everybody's different, but is there a general rule of thumb, how many sessions it, it's going to take for them to break the habit of smoking? 
Yeah, sure. So um, I'm certified in smoking cessation, uh, and the way I was trained was uh, to do multiple sessions. The there are there are hypnotherapists and hypnotists who travel the country and hold seminars where they they bring in a hundred people and yeah. uh, they do a one they do a one you know leave your cigarettes at the door you can't leave they seal it off you can't go at break and go and go uh, sneak a smoke uh, and there are some people who can effectively quit in one in one time like that I do I come at it from a behavioral standpoint so um, I. My uh, smoking cessation package includes up to four sessions, and we record them. And in between, there's homework. So in order to get started, they have to sign a contract that they're ready, and um, and they have to get down to ten cigarettes a day or less. And after the first session, where we prepare them, we introduce them to hypnosis, and we prepare them. Uh, in between the first session and the second session, I have them change brands change hands. Hmm. They smoke with their right. They got to smoke with their left. If they smoke on the back patio, got no more back patio side of the house and no more car. If you smoke in the car, no smoking in the car. So what I do is begin to break the behavior. So now they're smoking a different brand. They don't like it. It, it, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't give them the same satisfaction. They, they interrupt on the, now they're smoking with their left hand. It's awkward. They're not smoking at the, you know, at the table where they have coffee in the morning and the, on the back patio. <laughs> You know, so I, bre- mm-hmm. I begin to break up. Then uh, after the second session, between second and third, I have them break them in half. And now they're going to smoke it only the last half, and I tell them right down to the filter, burn your lips. And then, and then in the next session, I have them see stop signs and taillights and red everywhere. Stop, stop, stop. Non-smoke or food tastes better. Your clothes don't stink. Your hair doesn't smell. People don't avoid you. So see what I mean? It's a very, it's, a very, it's methodical, and it, it focuses on the behavior more so than the addiction to the nicotine. You know, there's over 3,000 chemicals in cigarettes, and the most poisonous is sugar. Oh, really? I yeah, never heard they that. put sugar in. <laughs> yeah. <They do. laughs> and so you can hotbox. You, you can get a hyperglycemic moment by hotboxing a cigarette. <laughs> oh my! I had no idea. Yeah, it's interesting what you said. My uh, my dad uh, stopped smoking several years ago, and he said much like you said. Uh, it was basically, it wasn't so much. He didn't think that it was the nicotine that got out of his system fairly quickly. It was the habit of sitting there in the morning, reading the paper, having a cup of coffee, and taking a smoke uh, uh, between each page. He said he he realized he missed that. And so it, it was tough for him to get out of that habit, really, to stop smoking. Well, that's right. It becomes ingrained behavior. It becomes that well-worn path. It becomes your programming. And, um, and, change, is, and change is difficult. So, so that's what I focus on, the change in the behavior, and the nicotine mm-hmm. falls away. And, you know, it never mm-hmm. really goes away. I mean, I smoke, you know, smokers who I've helped to report that they'll – pull alongside someone and they're smoking in their car and you know they'll their lips will quiver and their fingers will and for a fleeting second they remember what it was like and then and then it's over and it passes and then, then they go about their business because they're done they're, they're no longer under under the spell but there's that sentimentality that your dad talked about you know yeah yeah now you also do uh, virtual group meditation sessions explain how that works well, we do it by Zoom. Uh, it was it was facilitated. I mean, I, I teach meditation, but this year has been a crazy year. And so um, there's a thing called the Maharishi effect. And it's when people, there are studies that show when people get together in collective action and meditation, they can change, they can reduce crime in an area, they can lift health in, in an area. And so... Uh, every Saturday night we get together and we do a meditation on various topics uh, from gratitude to, to health to, you know, all kinds of things that and empower people. And it's in that collective action where we're energetically connected for the hour that great things happen. So what I do is I, I write a 1500 word, essay on the topic and I, I lecture on on the topic and give some background 
then I, I take folks into a, um, a chakra balancing of the energy wheels and energy centers in our body. We balance our chakras and then a, a progressive relaxation where it's almost a little, a little hypnotic where I engage an imagery journey. And then I take them into this guided meditation where uh, for the topic of the day. Uh, so this Saturday night we're doing moon energy because there's a fantastic blue moon, harvest moon, blue mm-hmm. moon. Uh, it's a really dynamic full moon on Halloween uh, to boot. So sure. um, we're, we're doing moon energy and uh, Saturday night. So I I love it because, you know, I, I get to in, interact with, with people in a very meaningful way. And I have a faithful group that shows up every week. And they love it too because it's part, especially, especially if you know if you if the lockdowns where you are have been, you know, serious, and um, you know life has been interrupted. Uh, I have a mom who brings her two kids, you know, and um, and it's it's really it's really they really enjoy it to see these young people, uh, and so it's it's very rewarding personally, and uh, I like to think that we're doing a little bit to raise the vibrations and frequency of those around us. Sure. Sure. How would we get involved in the, in the group sessions if we wanted to? Uh, um, my Facebook page is Norman Pluck and Inc. And I've got a, I've got a flyer up there uh, every week. So it's on my page and I, I renew it every week. And um, so you can just follow I do it in conjunction with Tian Chow Herbs and Acupuncture, and uh, and um, you can see on the flyer that there's information to to follow there. But it's basically uh, from the flyer you can get the, the Zoom link and just log in on Zoom 7:30 on Saturday nights. Okay, well, good, good. Uh, talking with Norman Plotkin about hypnotherapy and uh, a lot of other things. Very interesting conversation. Now, Norman, you also dabble a bit in the tarot. Is that right? I do, I do. And um, uh, it's another interesting pathway. I, I w- didn't learn from a hippie on a blanket in the park. When I study <laughs> under a psychologist. <laughs> I study under a psychologist. Oh. Dr. Art Rosengarten, who's written five books on tarot and psychology. And the connection is through Jungian archetypes. So Dr. Carl Jung uh, uh, wrote extensively about the archetypes and the subconscious and the unconscious mind. And the, the cards, they originated at a time when, you know, in ancient times, there were mystery schools where you know, Plato, Aristotle, you know, the Greeks and other, and, and other civilizations uh, had these schools where they taught, they taught like the hermetic principles of uh, their seven hermetic principles and, and, and Gnosticism and these uh, mysteries of, of life. And, um, and it was the thing that the alchemists studied as well. And that was at a time when it was dangerous to study things that weren't in uh, concert with what the church said. And so sure. uh, so what they did was they put some of this, this knowledge into the cards and into archetypes, the magician, the emperor, the priestess, and the empress. And, um, and they put these, these universal meanings. So, for example... You know, does anybody need to tell anybody that the snake, you know, is kind of dangerous? Even as a child, <laughs> will, will reel, will reel from a, a snake, right? So there are certain icons that you just know. You just know. You get a sense of a feeling, and so, so, um, so I studied under Dr. Rosengarten, and I use it sometimes in my practice, and sometimes for fun, and. Um, Basically, what you're doing is you're tapping into the the superconscious. Um, the, the we're all connected energetically. You know, one of the most troubling things about the the current pandemic is that there's this quote social distancing. It's six feet. Well, six feet just happens to be the distance where my heart picks up your heart energy, and I feel you before I see you, and so 
we're all connected energetically. We're all one. And so we can feel each other. If, we're, if we tune in and we're sensitive, we can feel each other and we can get information. We're, we all are a little psychic, believe it or not. And it's just some of us, we don't pay any attention to it. And we see signs and, and we dismiss them. But the cards energetically connect us to the superconscious and can reveal information about a particular situation um, or there are all kinds of insights that one can get uh, from a reading of the cards. So um, again, it's, I take kind of an intellectual approach to it. I tie it in mm-hmm. to um, the ancient mystery schools and teachings of the mystics, as well as um, some of the great psychologists like Dr. Jung and, and the archetypes and help people connect with their universal connectivity. You know, I've been doing this show just about six weeks now, and sometimes I have a co-host. But uh, each guest that I've had over the last six weeks, three, three times a week on the show, um, no matter the topic, they have eventually said, we're all connected, we're all one, and they've expressed the importance of gratitude. And you, I wrote those down. You, did, you mentioned all three of those. And that's a, a little... A little, you know, goes to what kind of show I'm doing, but it's interesting. Every, just about every guest, uh, in fact, I think everyone that I've had, uh, no matter the topic, have, have said those three things. That's so important. They're, they're, yeah, I, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm in good company. Um, the, it's, <laughs> these are un, universal principles that are important now. You know, we're coming up to the end of what they call a completion. There are several overlapping uh, and concentric epics that are coming to completion at the winter solstice this year. There's a 12,000-year cycle. There's a 26,000-year cycle. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll recall probably the dawning of the age of Aquarius. They've been singing about it since the 60s. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been in the Pisces, ep- in the Pisces epic, and, um, and we're coming into the Aquarius epic. And so here's... Here's uh, uh, energetically what that means. We're coming to an end of the patriarchy and duality and conflict that's marked the last 2,500 years. And we're coming to an end of materialism and Newtonian mechanics. And we're coming into the age of Aquarius that is more feminine, more collaborative, more creative, and it's marked not by Newtonian mechanics, but by quantum energy. And ener- so we're, gonna, we're moving past the neutron, electron, and proton and into quarks, neutrinos, and subatomic particles that, by the way, you know, there's, a lot, there's a lot of physicists who are kind of having their own spiritual awakening. There, there's a... There's, a, an experience that you know, light has a dual nature. It's both particle and wave. And so as scientists are awakening into the quantum era, they began to do experiments to see if matter has a dual nature, like light has both particle and wave, you know, that, which would mean that the blackness of space doesn't mean there's nothing in between. It means that we just don't understand it. So they did these experiments where they, they tested to see if, the, um, if matter had a dual nature. And what they found was that if they tested to see if it was a particle, these subatomic particles acted like a particle. And if they tested to see if it was a wave, they acted like a wave, which gave rise to what's known as the observer effect, meaning we can influence and so that coupled with things like Dr. Nemo doing, doing experiments with water molecules that you can affect, you can affect water. There's all kinds of incredible stuff coming about in the quantum field. And there's reason, despite, despite the pandemonium of this year and the craziness, and it seems like uh, the world is coming apart at the seams, 
there's reason to be optimistic because just around the corner is an amazing new era. And I used to, I giggle at myself because I used to think that it was going to be rainbows and unicorns and we were just going to happily gallop off into, into the age of Aquarius and seem like the fifth dimension. <laughs> and mm-hmm. what I came to realize was that it's more like, it's less unicorns and, and rainbows and it's more like, the subduction zone of plate tectonics, you know? And <laughs> so, so there's rumblings because the old order dies hard yeah. and we're seeing the death of the old order. And I'm not quite sure how long this transition is going to be, but I'm very, very hopeful and I'm very, very energetic. And so what, what my meditation practice is consumed with right now is that this three-dimensional world that we've lived in for so long, it, it's, it's a low frequency and it drags us down to the baser parts of human existence. And I lift my vibration and move toward love and my higher self and keeping love in my heart center and instead of fear. And that lifts me up. And the 3D world pulled me down and I lift myself back up. And it's this constant friction, but the more the more time you spend in meditation lifting your frequency, the less susceptible you are to the old 3D world. And so um, there is the notion that when enough of us raise our vibration, that we can lift everybody, like the Maharishi effect. Circling back to the Maharishi effect is that when enough of us raise our vibration, we can lift everyone into this new era. So I'm hopeful, and I just go through each day reminding myself that there's reasons to keep love in my heart and not succumb to fear. There you go. Well, we're a good place to, uh, to wrap up there. Norman Plotkin folks. Um, Normanplotkin.com is the website and Norman, what will we find there on your website? Well, there's a, you know, there's a great deal of detail about uh, what I do. Uh, my approach to serving others, hypnotherapy. There's links to both of my books. There's a couple of videos and a way that you can sign in and get a a free consultation. I do it both in person and by Zoom. I've uh, done hypnotherapy with people all over the world. And um, and so there's lots of information uh, of how to reach me and what, how hypnotherapy can help and why I do it and, and my promise to those who I work with. So that's all there. Great. Normanplotkin.com. Norman, this has been fun. The hour went so quick. (laughs) I thank you very much for your time tonight. And I thank you, Ryan. All right. You have a good night. Norman Plotkin, folks. uh, Yeah, that was a a quick hour. That was, uh, he was interesting for sure. Take a look at his website, normanplotkin.com, P-L-O-T-K-I-N.com. Also look for him on Facebook, Norman Plotkin, Inc., and uh, guided meditations there and, and uh, meditation sessions, group meditation sessions that you can sign up for there. Sounds like they're free. So, uh, so yeah, take a, take a look at, uh, at that. Very interesting. Um, uh, coming up on the show, I want to remind you, Monday, the 2nd of November already, uh, Dr. Uma Naidu will be my guest. This is Your Brain on Food is the name of her book. She'll talk about how how food can impact ADHD, anxiety, depression, PTSD. Uh, food, certain, certain foods can help with all of those maladies. So uh, that's what we'll talk about on Monday. Laird Scranton on Wednesday, Primal Wisdom of the Ancients. Uh, that's going to be a, a very in-depth conversation with Laird Scranton. That's the name of his book, Primal Wisdom of the Ancients, so a little bit of Mysteries of History or History of Mysteries, one or the other there. And then uh, Friday, Connie Habish will talk about Awakening Self, talk about uh, Awakening from Anxiety. That's coming up Friday on the show. So uh, I hope uh, that you'll visit RyanLindsayShow.com for more information about guests past, present, and future. Broadcasting... And that was the wrong that was the wrong outro. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope you will join us <laughs> next week. 
for all the shows that we have coming on and take a look at RyanLindsayShow.com for more information about guests past, present, and future. In the meantime, I'm Ryan Lindsay, and we will talk on Monday. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to The Ryan Lindsay Show. Visit RyanLindsayShow.com for more information about The Ryan Lindsay Show. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.